Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're discussing An Heiress's Guide to Deception and Desire by Manda Collins. So this was published in 2021. It's the second in the A Lady's Guide series. And full disclosure, we did receive a free copy from Nick Alley. Meg and I talked about this a little bit before we hit record, and I just want to put it here. I'm very tired of the Ladies' Guide naming convention. Mm -hmm. It makes it really hard for me to distinguish books I really liked, like this one, spoiler alert, from books that I thought were really mediocre because the titles are just such a mouthful and all sound so similar. Well, and they're hard to tell apart from, like, this is the one that I liked and this is the one that I didn't like. And I understand you could say that about romance novels in terms of, like, a dupes, an earls, whatever. To be be fair, you could say that about any But at least when they're shorter, I have a better chance of remembering the actual title of the book. Yes. Well, I think the most egregious ones are Victoria Alexander's The Lady Traveler's Guide to Deception with an Unlikely Earl or whatever. I can't actually... I know I've read that book. Yes. That's the only one I'm sure of the title. There are like three others in that series and they all start with a lady travelers, the lady travelers guide to something with something. And that's five words and that could be a whole title. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I just, no, this is not a dig at specifically Amanda Collins. Again, I like this book a lot more than I, I liked the first one, which I liked. And a lot more than I even expected to based on this naming convention. I think it's a shame that I'm not going to remember. Right. That an heiress's guide to deception and desire is one I thought was very good because right. I am over this naming convention. You're going to have to be like, that's the one with Val and Carol, right? I hope I remember that much. <laughs> well, let's listen to the official jacket. England, 1867. As half of the writing duo behind England's most infamous crime column, Miss Caroline Hardcastle has quite the scandalous reputation. It may have cost her a fiancé, but she would much rather bring attention to crimes against those ignored by society than worry about what the town thinks of her. After Caro's dear friend is kidnapped, however, she has no choice but to work with Lord Valentine Thorne, the same man who broke her heart. Worse... When her actions put her father's business at risk, a marriage of convenience may be her only solution. But can she trust Val to stand by her? Or will their past repeat itself? Val, the new Viscount Rackham, is in an untenable position. His father is demanding he find a respectable bride to secure the succession. Yet the only woman he's ever loved, Miss Caroline Hardcastle, is notorious for behaving improperly. And she's never forgiven him for his youthful transgressions, missteps made in the name of familial duty, but ones he still regrets to this day. As they grow closer to unmasking the culprit, Val sees an opportunity to show Caro he's a changed man. But can he convince her to give their love a second chance before death does them part? That was clunky. There's a lot going on in this book jacket. It's, I mean, it's okay. I want to correct a couple of things. His problem is not that she writes for a crime column. In fact, he's written for the same paper. Mm -hmm. In fact, he personally 
didn't have any problem with her Mm -hmm. and never has. Correct. So that first paragraph as like something that establishes conflict is just wrong. No, I, I, I think it's supposed to establish her character, right? It's right on that front, but if it like, it cost her a fiance, like strike all of that. No, it didn't. I, I, when you read the book now, I may be getting the chronology wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they were affianced before she actually started writing for the crime column. I believe that is correct. And broke it off. Yes, I believe that is correct because, okay, my understanding of their chronology is they date, Mm -hmm. get engaged secretly, break it off. Uh Uh-huh. She gets a cat. Yes. She meets Kate. Yes. They start the crime column. Right. Yes, that was my understanding too. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she may have met Kate actually through her relationship with Val because Val and Kate are like besties. I think she met Kate the same way she met Val. One of her best friends married Val's brother. Right. Val, his brother, and Kate all ran in the same circle. So I think she met Kate through the friend who married Val's brother. Yeah. Look, it's a long book jacket. I think what they're trying to do is establish that it's both a mystery and a romance. And I think it does an okay job with that. It's just so like we always say spiritually is more important than factually. I don't I think both are off just enough that I want to quibble with everything. Yeah. But it's not the most egregious ever. No. But that said, before death does them part, who let that happen? I know. I'm like, death does them part. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's correct grammar. Before death do they part. Right. Would be correct grammar. Correct. So it's clunky as hell. It, I mean, it's, it's clunky whether it's correct grammar or not. But this is, not only is it clunky, it's, it's, it's grammatically incorrect. Yeah. Anyway. So did we do it better? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> we only had nine words to work with this week, so. We'll see. Right. Uh, you want me to kick it off? Here's mine. Solving mysteries together can allow reevaluation of failed relationships. So you really hit at the number one trope here. Yeah. Which, Which is, is second chance romance. Second chance romance. Yep. And this is a mystery. Correct. So you synthesized the two things the jacket was trying to say in nine words. And the jacket took four paragraphs to do it badly. Mm-hmm. And my grammar was correct. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that about mine because I had to cut some things to get down to nine words. What is it? But I had a word count and the jacket didn't. <laughs> Ruined by your ex during an investigation? Dual purpose honeymoon. I mean, yeah, what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Nothing. Make lemonade. Pull a Beyonce. <laughs> so, yes, this is a second chance romance. So he is the heir that was never meant to inherit. Mm-hmm. Second Which, son, older brother died. Yes. Uh, I thought worked really well here, actually. I agree. Um, and she is the daughter of new money 
who is daddy's protege in business, even though it's socially unacceptable. Yes. She's the only child. So she's also, you know, the son he never had. The book never says that. No. But. I want to give it credit. I, I always get a little bit annoyed when it's explicitly mentioned that the only reason the daughter is getting the attention is because there is no son. Mm-hmm. And I want to give this book credit that it didn't imply that any more than the time and their social class did. It, it didn't, yeah. Uh, so there is a class difference between these lovers. So they're both very wealthy, but he's the heir to a dukedom, and she's the daughter of a manufacturing titan. Mm-hmm. So in this case, as Elaine mentioned in her summary, she gets ruined and they have to get married. And in this case, I mean, I just want to write this out. She tore her dress and now they're engaged. Yeah. So we've talked before about the ridiculous ways women have been ruined in books before. Getting stuck in sofas specifically. Well, and the bee sting. And the bee sting. Oh, my God. But this one, she is... Brought to the ground by a man. Yeah, right, just not the man who proposes to her. And it's not an embrace of passion. No. So it's not ridiculous how the dress is torn, but obviously how flimsy a woman's reputation could be is really emphasized here. Yeah. So this all, all this drama happens uh, at a night at the theater. Yes. And so, so, like, meaningful stairs in a box. Yeah. And then they have to go into the wings for their investigation. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, what did you phrase it as, Meg? Well, I called it theater box offstage drama. Yes. But I, I think I'm also trying to imply that there's drama going on that's not supposed to be. Right. So people are not just watching the stage. They're watching the box because Val has invited Caroline and her family to his family's box. Well, part of the reason this is such drama is one, when Val extended the invitation, he did not know his parents would be present. Mm -hmm. Making it a much more formal evening in terms of intentions than he'd intended. And she has a marriage minded mama Mm -hmm. who at the advent of a uh, theater invitation from a Duke's heir basically loses her shit. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, I thought this was, I don't want to say it was like genius, but it was masterful. It was a very well done scene because their, their engagement, previous engagement was actually secret. Yes. So nobody knows. His family does not know that he was engaged to her. Her family does not know that they were previously engaged. So they've got all this interpersonal drama going on between them, plus all of the snobby drama going on with his family, and then all the marriage-minded drama with her mother. And everything together was just great. So who knows what and what people are thinking. The whole thing I thought was was just very, very well done. Well-crafted, for sure. And I just want to point out that technically, well, not technically, she thinks it's going to be a fake engagement. She, so fake in the way that they had to get engaged to save the moment. Right. But she is fine if they find a way to break it 
that mm-hmm. causes neither of them shame. Yeah. He's like, no, there's no way out of this, and I don't want one. Well, and that's the thing, too. All of these romances, and part of the reason we love them is because the man, like, yes, he's trapped into marriage, but he could get out of it if he really wanted to, and he doesn't really want to. That's what's nice about it. (laughs) Oh, he's... His conflict over his own feelings throughout this book was so fun. Right? I loved it. And there is a carriage makeout, so yes, this does get plus one brownie points. Yeah, sorry, you know that's just the way, just the way it works here at Plattress. We, I was gonna say we don't make the rules; we make the rules. That is a rule, but we do enforce them consistently. Consistency is very important. Yeah, and when we're not being consistent, we admit. It. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just as good? The first book, which was another guide, so God knows I don't remember the title. Well, it's right here. A Lady's Guide to Mischief and Mayhem. Thanks, Meg. Um, Meg wrote it, not me, clearly. You're welcome. We both really enjoyed that book because it was about a a reporter on crime, Caroline's partner, Mm -hmm. in writing her newspaper they're more than articles, investigations. Yeah, investigations or, or ser- series, serials? Exposés. Expos- exposés, yeah. Um, and the detective in charge of the crime that they were investigating. And, and I think it handled the nuance of that very well. But right. I found some of the relationship dynamics a little lacking, if I recall well, correctly. Yeah, and then the crime itself was very conveniently solved. <laughs> To say the least. So this one involves Kate's partner in writing craft, as the book jacket summarizes, and the gentleman whose home much of the book took place in. So this this was very foretold yeah. in the previous book. I thought this book was better crafted than the first. I agree. I thought it was better crafted. The mystery was better. The relationship was better. We liked the first book, but this one was just a, a just a step up. Agreed. Like, and I think I put this last, but I'll say it now. There's a trend in romance novels, and it's often ones that have an element of mystery to them, but not always, that I kind of call surface. Mm-hmm. And I think I've used that word frequently. And all I mean by that is the plot is really jam-packed mm-hmm. and so there's something kind of happening very rapidly throughout what is usually a relatively short book right so a lot of the romantic moments don't get a chance to linger right and sometimes that's totally fine but other times it leaves you with feeling like you didn't get to know the characters very well or Like, some depth wasn't there. And on the whole, I think this is one of the better crafted books. I keep using that word. This is one of the better books that we've read that I would describe as surface. I don't mean it as an insult. I mean, like, this isn't just two people pining for each other. Yeah. There's a secondary plot going on, and I think all the elements of this book worked really well together. And so what sometimes I might write off as, oh, I don't know if I bought it. 
because I don't know if I had time to get to understand their relationship or this dynamic or what's going on here. I understood and bought into this whole text. I thought this was so fun. Yeah. Well, and let me say too, we've said several times where I know I've said several times that second chance romance just usually is not my favorite because for me, I'm like, okay, if you dated and you decided you didn't work, why would you go back to that person? But here I felt like they're, so first of all, like, yes, they were engaged, but it was a secret engagement. They weren't like dating for a year. They weren't married and got a divorce. Like it's made very clear in the text that they like pecked a couple times. And that's it. And then I totally understood why she broke it off. And I loved what he did to get it going again. I mean, I just really liked the, I really liked the relationship conflict. So. I did too. And I thought the book, without saying it, did a really good job of relating it to a modern audience. Mm-hmm. I, I know that this wasn't true in the time, but ultimately, like, the first time their relationship failed, it was just because they were young. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. there was legitimate conflict and you could flesh out more, but it was really like they weren't good communicators. They, they were play acting a relationship more than they were actually in one. And yes, in a modern dynamic, that play acting usually happens in, like, middle school, not at 22, but you saw parallels there that you totally understood that the first time it didn't work out was not a, I understand they were secretly engaged, but it wasn't like a real relationship where they were getting to know each other as partners. Right. They were enamored and flirting and starry eyed. And then the first thing that happened that didn't go perfectly was a slap in the face and the end of everything. I, I think that may be why this worked a little bit better than the first book too is that they had a shared past. It made sense. So you, the, the, the mystery, there was no skimping on the mystery, but there was also no skimping on the romance because they already had an established relationship, right? And it made sense. Right. And it made How sense. often in second chance romance do we think what they did was either unforgivable or we don't feel like we have the context to understand Mm-hmm. why it failed while they're why they're back together that this conversation should have been longer or whatever like I, everything here really worked it really worked i will say so the first book he was the duke's second son and he was lord valentine which i i did re-listen to that recently and i was like of course i loved i always love a guy named valentine <laughs> and when courtesy titles are correct and when courtesy titles are correct which Amanda Collins does a great job with, by the way. And then in this book, when it turns out he's the heir, so he's now Viscount Rackham, and he's not Lord Valentine anymore, I have to admit, I was like, uh-huh, yeah, because every hero, you know, has to be a nobleman. I was like, whatever. But when it turned out to have ramifications for the relationship, I thought it was handled really well, and I completely understood why it happened and I was like oh this this isn't just a plot device like this is a this is something that actually has an effect on his life well and to that extent like it is a plot device but it isn't just in the name of every romance hero having a title right Right. there's a I I enjoyed it a lot not just because of the ramifications it had for their relationship but because of the ramifications it had for him writing for the paper 
and mm-hmm. and not in a like woe is me sense. Like he's not pissed off beyond the pissed off that his brother's dead. Yeah. At now needing to be the duke, but he's it's a, it's a very different life than the one he'd envisioned for himself. I also think okay, so Val is now the duke's heir. It's it appears that it's even more difficult than before for him to have a relationship with Caroline. Right? Because she is not of the aristocracy. Yes. And then the mystery that they're investigating is actually an actress who has disappeared. So she's gone missing. She's been abducted. And her fiancé is Val's cousin. So and the actress is a personal friend of Caroline's. Right. But what I really liked was that the mystery had was like a mirror of the relationship between Caroline and Val. And I mean, you know that I just love it when you give me the structure like this. I just loved that the mystery reinforced the romance, the romance reinforced the mystery. It really worked for me. But I also thought the the characters in the mystery, the ill-fated lovers, were distinct characters too. Yes, they They were were not just plot devices. Yes. Well, and I think too it was like this example for Val and he was like, God, was I such a coward however many years ago, you know? And when a romance hero sees the mistakes he's made and tries to do better, I love that too. It doesn't hurt when they're real hot. What? I mean, (laughs) they all are, aren't they? (laughs) So the mystery of this book is that her best friend is abducted. Mm -hmm. His cousins, her paramour, he also goes missing relatively early in the book. So very minor spoiler. I actually really liked the social commentary inherent in this mystery. Mm-hmm. And then I fucking loved the ending. Uh-huh. Like, talk about women solving their own problems, but the men being useful. <laughs> yeah, like, you can help out, I guess. <laughs> I love and it. like, but not only help out, like they had the social positions yes. to ensure that it had bearing, which is bullshit, but it's not like the women needed them to extricate themselves. I just well, love that balance. But also, I mean, if you think, if you think back about some Stephanie Lawrence mysteries that we've read before and yes. And like the women want to do it, but they, you know, they do it in that really stupid, strong female character way, which is the man says, you stay at home and I'll go figure this out. And they're like, well, I'm not staying around at home. And they just run out and break their ankle. Right. Immediately. And here they don't, they're not, they're not dumb like that. Like they're like, we're going to go do this investigation, but we're going to make sure people know where we went. Cause we don't want to go missing too. And even then they're like, okay, what's the smart and safe way to handle this? Oh shit. A circumstance has just changed. Right. We have context. Waiting will potentially be worse mm-hmm. than doing the smart thing. Like, it's all very rationalized. Yeah. In a way that I bought into completely. Yeah. I, yeah, I have very, very few criticisms of this book. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I, it was super, super, super fun. Um, that said, there are some content warnings. So be aware that, um, 
there is a kidnapping. There's actually quite like at least two kidnappings, maybe more. Not to spoil anything in this book. <laughs> yeah, and there the commentary on class differences goes beyond just she's beneath you, though it is that. It's women in certain professions and in certain walks of life are less worthy, are slutty, are objects, and that is socially mm -hmm. acceptable. Right. Um, and frankly, even some of the good guys in the text don't talk about working women. And I don't mean prostitutes. I mean actresses. But if it was prostitutes, it wouldn't make a difference. My point is, like, they can talk about anyone who isn't living a life of leisure with mm -hmm. language that is very distinctly different and problematic. And those are some of the good characters. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said before, like that's the social commentary in the text is really well done. I feel so. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. It was not, I don't mean this is an insult to Amanda Collins at all. Like I didn't fall in love with either of these characters. Yeah, me like either, these are. But... This isn't a book that I'm going to like reread constantly because it just like resonated with me on some fundamental level. But I thought it was like super, super well done. And even the stuff that we're like tagging as a content warning, I don't think it's offensive to anyone. It's just like if you're looking for something that is 100% feel good, there's some realism here that worked yeah. for me. So sexiness. This is an explicit novel, so there are two explicit scenes one and a half i guess right it if, if, if so i just said that i don't have a lot to criticize Amanda collins for i wouldn't mind if it were a little steamier yeah i think this is one of those things that you just get to know an author yeah and get to know what to expect i, I felt the Tension. I loved his emphasis on consent. Mm -hmm. I loved their conversation. I love that the conflicts they had about their relationship were literally solved in the next conversation. Yes, I agree. They're like, oh shit! I realized I upset you. We need to talk about this the next time I get you alone. We talk about this. Um, I agree that a little more adjectives would have been appreciated yeah you know and i'm not again i'm not this is just my personal preference when i'm reading a, a romance i want a little more than a makeout in a carriage and a wedding night and I, I will say what was there was very cute sexy yeah that too and like there were really adorable romantic moments like their honeymoon which is also an investigation and then the investigation turns something up so they have to cut the honeymoon short there's nothing like there was a sex scene in that, but it was like adorably sexy how into each other they were and how communicative they were. And like, talk about a book where they're really on the same page for all this is supposed to be like second chance romance, enemies to lovers. Like it really felt like they were teammates through the whole text. It did. That's very true. It's very true. But Like if this had been super, super sexy, maybe that would be the thing that made it stand up. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We're never going to complain about more sex. Sorry, guys. Right. It's just not, <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. So. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you would rate, 
review, subscribe, and generally do what you do when you like a podcast. So tell your friends, check us out on Instagram, and add us as friends on Goodreads.